You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Speaking of, my daughter is now getting to the age where she is embarrassed by everything, and that includes the name Pack Daddy, which I suppose in a sense kind of makes sense. Didn't put a whole lot of thought into it, just thought it sounded cool, because it does. But she is working diligently on finding me a new name, so uh, we'll see what she comes back with. So far, she has Pack Dog, so I'll keep you posted. But anyways, as promised today, I wanted to continue with our top 30 list and kind of go through some of the prospects that the Packers have looked at thus far. They've got a couple left, unless there's a few that we just don't know about, but uh, with only 10 days left until the draft, or actually 9, I'm a little ahead of schedule, so I'm recording this on Monday morning. Don't think I'm going to finish it, but, you know, what? Any that's completely irrelevant. Anyways, not very many visits left, which makes sense because the draft is soon. Oh, happy birthday! iTunes must listen to my, uh, must listen to my podcast because I just checked it just now. It's 144, so we are six reviews. See, I knew there was something wrong. There must just be a long approval process or something because it went from since yesterday, which I believe... I'd set it on the mock draft thing, which I just posted five minutes ago. So I'm assuming not everybody just went crazy and, and uh, started posting that in the last 18 seconds. But there you go, folks. We're, uh, what, today is 10 days away. Tomorrow, nine days away. Or when you're re- what whatever. Six reviews away for the live stream, ladies and gentlemen. But I gotta be honest, I there is, like, legitimately, I'm looking at rearranging my basement, um... Building a computer, possibly. Purchasing monitors, because I would like more monitors to make the stream better. Um, Potentially buying software. There's a little bit that I'd like to get done before the stream, so I'd like to know if we're doing it or not. So, six more reviews. Just saying. If we can get six more, that would be uh, fantastic. Crazy iTunes had me freaking out. I thought everybody left the podcast, man. I'm looking at the stats like, you're lying to me. Nobody's here anymore. I know they're not here. Why are you lying? Just talking to an empty hallway. Anyways, what are we doing right now? Um, Facebook group. Be sure to get in the Facebook group, please. I do appreciate the uh, human contact. It's very nice. My two-year-old and four-year-old do like the Packers a lot, but sometimes it's nice to talk to other people about football. No offense to the little ones, but uh, yeah, be sure to get in there. It's always nice to have more people that are able to keep me on my toes. To be completely honest, this show is leaps and bounds better than it used to be. I'm happy to admit that, largely because that I I have opened this up to people. I've had people reach out to me on Twitter, which started off as unsolicited, but welcome. Then Facebook, then all the text messages and stuff, plus the reviews. I've seen several reviews that <laughs> that are like, well, this show used to be trash, but I gave it a second try and it's better. But a lot of it is just because people kind of keep me in line. Right, I, I tend to just do whatever I want. That's my whole thing. But I've had a lot of people just kind of like slap me on the wrist when I go too far in this direction or that direction. And it just, eventually it sticks in the back of my mind. Like, you know, don't rant so much. That one I'm not, that, that's not working super well. I'm kidding, nobody's ever said that. But I'm sure somebody's thinking it. And I do try, but it's just never going to happen. So save the, save the time it's going to take you to write me that hate mail. But I really do appreciate it. It's, you know, and it keeps me honest because it's easier to just talk nonsense when I just forget that everybody's listening. But when I get feedback and 17 people say the same thing, like, yeah, you messed this up, you messed that, or you messed... It's like, dude, I really got to pay attention to what I'm doing. Can't be making mistakes and stuff. People are actually listening. So it's good to be reminded of that. The Facebook group is great, and uh, the people in there are 
fantastically. NFLBigBoard.com. Again, if you haven't checked it out yet, just just poke your head in there. So it's, a, it's I, I really am pretty happy with it. I've got a lot of ideas for next year. Uh, hopefully, we can kind of get uh, 3.0 going. It was a huge jump from its first year. And if you if you go on there, I forget what it actually says. Oh, history. If you click or hover over history and then click 2018 NFL Big Board and look at what it was, you can see what how much of a jump because I just kept it in its original format and whatnot. So really big jump, and I'm hoping to make another one for next year. But uh, you know, as we get closer, again, you can ex you can export it to Excel if you want to play with it during the draft. Um, print it out, whatever you want to do. I wanted to make it as you know, it's for you because it's not even my board. It's just again, it's just an aggregation. So. Anywho's. Lastly, any questions or if you'd like to get something off your chest regarding the Green Bay Packers. And I really would love to hear your thoughts on uh, the draft. I know I've heard quite a bit of it, but if you got any thoughts that are... I know there's a few of you out there that are just kind of hiding in the corner like, man, I got this this thing that I really want to happen, but everyone's going to call me. That's cool, man. Be crazy. Get funky with it. Who cares? What are you going to do? Kick you? I'm not going to kick you. Nobody else can find you. Just don't give me your address. Then I can't kick you, so it'll be fine. Depending how far you are away, I probably wouldn't drive there and kick you anyway, so you're fine either way. But text or call 608-501-0718, 608-501-0718. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular. Exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. So let's start with these uh, pass rushers slash linebackers. We'll start with the... um least interesting to the most interesting. The guy that I could find the least on was Mr. Randy Ramsey. Uh, the Draft Network didn't have anything to say about him. He's not on um, Mark Jarvis's master board as far as what round he's going to go. However, on the Draft Network, they have him ranked 459th. On NFLBigBoard.com, I have him at 518th. So if he gets drafted, <laughs> that'd be kind of crazy. Um, the the Packers have to see something in them. It's just, I, I, this has to be in my mind, trying to get an idea of which undrafted free agents they're going to be targeting. And I think at that point, it is fair to start saying targeting when you're talking about undrafted free agents, because that's just everybody you want. It's just a feast. Just pick up the phone, get as many of these guys as you can to come to your team. So once we get out of the draft, we can start using the word targeting, or you can use it whenever you want. I don't care. It's your life. Live it as poorly as you like. You can drink syrup right out of the bottle, eat a stick of butter, and say targeting during the draft. Just do it all, man. Just just go crazy. But I wasn't really able to find hardly anything about him. I know he's a defensive end for Arkansas. He is a senior, six foot four, two twenty seven. There was this little tidbit here, so I will read this and we will simply move on. Arkansas senior defensive end slash outside linebacker Randy Ramsey accepts an invitation to the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl. Ramsey split time between linebacker and defensive end with the Razorbacks, but at 6'4", 236 pounds, he profiles best as the former, meaning linebacker. He was able to pick up three sacks in each of the last two years, and he had seven tackles for a loss in his senior season. He currently projects as a late-round pick that could be a priority free agent if he goes undrafted this spring. As for his athleticism, using the RAS metrics, got decent size, decent speed, uh, very poor explosion, very poor agility, according to his RAS card. Combine, he actually measured in at 6'3", not 6'4", 238 pounds. His 40 time was 4.69, which is decent. 20-yard split was fine. 10-yard split was actually really good. 161. His bench was 24 reps, which is pretty good for a 100 or 238-pound dude. But vert, broad, shuttle, and three cone were very poor, as I said. So it does kind of make sense, just based on these metrics, maybe he would be a better uh, linebacker. You know, without that explosion off the line, if you're more or less just looking to be rangy with an occasional, you know, blitz up the middle or whatever, it, it does make a little bit more sense. So Packers just doing their due diligence here. Um, and, I, you know, I, I suppose depending on how much they like him, 
I think once you get down into the 200s, between 200 and, and 600 or whatever, there probably isn't that massive of a of a difference. Although there's probably a cutoff in there somewhere, maybe 300, 400, where it's like, all right, this guy's just never going to be on a team. But it's a lot of really athletic people that made college rosters, and it's a matter of GMs trying to sift between which guys have potential and which guys don't. But anyways, eh, might get undrafted. I don't know. Next up, the guy who I said I would remember or figure out his name, and I did. It's not Anibinum or whatever I said. It's Anabonum. Jesse Anabonum. I guess I could see that. Not exactly phonetic, but it's easier to say, that's for sure. I don't have any measurables about uh, him. No pro day or um, or combine metrics, at least not from RAS, and he's pretty good with that stuff. The math bomb or whatever his name is. So I'm guessing we just got nothing. But again, if you go to NFLBigBoard.com, one of the resources is where you click on news. If you click on news, you've got a little bit of stuff. It just takes you to Roto World, but still, this is where you can find a little bit of information. Um, top source here says Pro Football Focus, Maryland redshirt senior Jesse Annabonum recorded five quarterback pressures on just 29 pass rushes on Saturday, 42-13 win over Minnesota. It's quite an impressive rate for a redshirt senior. Senior as he parlayed that into one sack, blah, blah, blah. So... Presumably around 6'3", 260 is a pretty good size for a Packers guy on the outside. Had some success apparently as a pass rusher. Here's sort of the the real rub here with um, Jesse Annabonum is that he's a tweener. Let me read what Tony Pauline had to say uh, back in, this is July of, it's a long time ago. So (laughs) I'm I'm just going with what I have. It says, while he usually comes out of a three-point stance for the Terps, he lacks the size to play that position at the next level and does not possess the true speed to stand up at linebacker. Anna Bonham could be a situational nickel rusher, but special teams will ultimately determine if he plays on Sundays. He led the Terps with 14 tackles for loss, nine sacks last year, adding 46 tackles, and last year was a very long time ago. And finally, I do have a profile from uh, draftanalyst.com. This is also uh, Tony Pauline. The only guy I could find that's even talking about the guy. This is a little bit more updated. It says Annabonum was given a draftable grade by scouts prior to his 2017 season before a broken foot ended his campaign. He rebounded well last season and displayed enough ability to get consideration as a situational pass rusher at the next level. So that's essentially what we're talking about. And he does have him projected as a free agent. Um, similar to Randy Ramsey, he did not. He was not on the master board, however draftnetwork.com has him at 357 nflbigboard.com i had him at 448 so once again you know probably just doing our due diligence on some potential guys that are uh, undrafted caden ellis um he's also in the same category i actually have even less of i i have basically nothing about him um he was on the master list uh, Mark Jarvis graded him as he was on the outside linebacking edge rusher group, which most pass rushers, I think, default to defensive end, but he does separate out the categories, so he does profile as a pass rushing outside linebacker. The only thing I can find, he's not on the draft network. He's not on NFLBigBoard.com. Um, I see here the one thing that's really awesome about him is his relative athletic score. These metrics are currently unofficial, but his overall grade is a 994. In other words, the dude is a freak. Six foot three, 240 pounds is what he weighed in at the combine, so that is official. But his unofficial pro day metrics thus far, and again, we're talking about an outside linebacker. He ran at a 45940, which is fast. 266, 20 yard split, 10 yard split was 159, which is awesome. Uh, no bench or broad jump, but his vert was 34 and a half, which is pretty good. But it was his agility. So again, what we're talking about, this is sort of that Brian Burns type. This is the kind of guy that I tend to like, but a lot of these guys don't necessarily pan out. This is the kind of guy that we really don't have because we've got the big brutes, the speed bend guys. That's Caden Ellis. Short shuttle, 406. Incredible. His three cone though, 649. The RSS metric was 9.99. In other words, elite. About as good as you can get for a guy of his size. So very, very agile, good speed, from what we can tell, decent explosion, which actually is pretty important as well. It's it's probably more about exploding off the line and then bending more so than speed because it's not really necessarily straight line speed. You want to, you know, launch out of your stance or that, you know, initial speed, the 10-yard split is probably more important than the 40, which he did find in the 10-yard split anyways. But either way, this is this is one of the reasons you want to pay attention to him and just see, okay, you're an athlete, but are you a football player? So 
I guess we'll find out the answer to that if they end up calling up Caden Ellis to see if he wants to come be a Green Bay Packer. All right, so now moving on to somebody that I actually have on my list, and of that whole group, there's only two, and we've got Mr. Andrew Van Ginkle out of Wisconsin. This is obviously a local visit, so it doesn't count against their top 30, but six foot three, 241. It always surprises me when there's a Wisconsin guy that um, grades out really, really well in his RAS. Now, six foot three point four, 241. That was his uh, combine measurement. I guess without going through all the specifics, because it's probably boring to just read all this stuff, um, he was graded as having elite, so poor size, 6'3", 241 as an outside linebacker. I'll, I'll give you that. But again, another Brian Burns type, another Ellis type. Not great size, but elite speed, elite explosion, which is actually even better than Ellis, and elite agility. 4'5", speed, same kind of speed. His bench was only 17, but, you know, who cares? 38-inch vert, et cetera, et cetera, right? Very, very, very good athlete. And again, that always surprises me. I don't necessarily know why. I just don't... I just see Wisconsin guys as, you know, big corn-fed offensive linemen that are more maulers than athletes. And that kind of carries over my thought on everybody, with the exception of the running backs, who obviously are all freaks. But anyways, Mr. Andrew Van Ginkle is uh, hes pretty legit. Similar to TJ Edwards on the master list by Jarvis, he's got him in the sixth round. Tony Pauline, at least as his latest rating, has him as a free agent. Essentially what he says is that he's an athlete, but not a, you know, a football player, which is really what matters. Here's specifically what he had to say. Van Ginkle is an impressive-looking physical specimen with a fiery attitude, but a limited game. More of an in-the-box or up-the-field linebacker. He could line up as a situational pass rusher in a 3-4 alignment. So again, and, and that's kind of what I've talked about, the difference between a versatile player and a tweener. A tweener even though it's not necessarily common vernacular is the way I use it. Tweener is a bad thing. Tweener is always a bad thing. It's in between being good at this or that. Versatile would be you're good at both. Right? Again, you kind of look at that Venn diagram, and it's how much of the two circles do you actually cover. Ideally, you want to be able to cover both, meaning you can play both at a very high level. Tweener is somebody that's just kind of like, you know, just in that little middle section there. In other words, you can technically do both, but you're kind of bad at both. Sort of what we've seen with Josh Jones, essentially. Right? He can play safety and he can play linebacker. He has the versatility, but he's a tweener because he's not very good at both. I'm still holding out hope. He took a little bit of a step last year, especially without having very much of an opportunity. So I don't want to just flat out say he's a tweener and that's it. He could grow. But what we've seen to this point is him being a tweener, which is just to say not very good at either position. So we'll see. You know, again, they got him in for a workout. Packers will ultimately ultimately determine if they believe that he's a tweener and just will never make it at either position, or if he could be a versatile piece that could potentially play in both positions, or just one. I mean, if 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 you're really good, at, if you want him to be a tweener and you find out, well, he's good enough to be a linebacker, he's not going to be good enough to be an outside linebacker. Then guess what? You're just an inside linebacker. As for my master list here, which again, you can get this on patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy for as little as a buck. All you got to do is once you give the dollar, you'll have access to the posts, you know, things that I post that are just locked if you don't subscribe. If you give the buck, you have access to all the links, which by the way, there's other stuff that I've done on there that's locked. Positional breakdowns, like breaking down how good of a wide receiver one, two, and three we actually have. That stuff is all on there. But anyways, I have Andrew Van Ginkle, 26th out of 40 um, edge rush prospects. Pass rush percentage, 15.42, which is very good. As I've said, as far as college, these guys all have really high numbers. So he only came in at 18th overall. But if he could even get anywhere near 15, if he can get to 10, he's getting drafted. His run stop percentage, which is to say his, his impact against the run game, was pretty terrible. He graded out 36th out of 40. And just in general, his ability to stop the run is pretty awful. He graded out uh, his run grade, according to Pro Football Focus, he was 38th out of 40. So just about dead last. Austin Bryan out of Clemson and Ben Benogu out of TCU are the only two guys that graded out worse against the run. So yeah, if he's going to come in, which, I mean, it doesn't really bode very well for him being an inside linebacker either. But if he's going to come in, it's probably just as a special team slash situational pass rusher. You know, I guess sort of like a Kyler Fackrell type. Right? We don't expect much from you, but hopefully you can use your speed and athleticism to just get around the guy. And maybe if you got a right tackle with stone feet, we can get Van Ginkle out there to just speed bend around him and get his one sack, and then we'll pull him. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, overall, PFF had him at 32nd out of 40 of these guys. So they don't like him either. We'll see what happens. 
Finally, Mr. Montez Sweat, PFF, has him 12th overall. On my board, I have him 4th overall, just behind Josh Allen, Nick Bosa, and Chase Winovich. Yes, that's right, Chase Winovich. Read him and weep, boys. I don't know. I felt like I needed to say something cool there. And that's what I came up with. All right. So his pass rush percentage was um, 18%, which, again, is pretty elite. It was ninth overall in all of these 40 guys. Run stop percentage was number one and by a lot. So that's the cool thing about Montez Sweat. And it kind of fits the Packers prototype so far. Although he is talented as a pass rusher, he is a phenomenal run defender. And again, run stop percentage is high impact. It's not just tackling, which is, you know, you chased a guy from behind or he, you know, bulge you over backwards. It's critical situations. Third down, third and short, fourth and short, you know, stopping them on first down so they don't get a bunch of yards because obviously, you know, like a lot of NFL coaches have told us, they like third manageable situations, meaning run the ball, get your four yards, do it again, get your four yards, and then you got a third and two. Montez Sweat is the guy. And to give you an idea, if we start with Jalen Ferguson, who is fifth on this list, run stop percentage 13.9, moving up 14.3, 14.6, 14.9. Montez Sweat, 20.6. So he got 11, 11, 12, 13, 14, 14, 14, 20. So he's, he's just off the charts as far as disrupting the run game. But again, as far as his pass rush grade by PFF, he was 16th. So, I mean, I, I know that's, and, and listen, maybe with good coaching, he can really turn this thing around. I do kind of see him as a Zadarius Smith's type, right? I mean, just watching him play, although he does have great measurables, so maybe he can pull this off, he just doesn't ever really display that whole real good bend kind of thing. You know, when he's really impressing a lot of people, it's running through them, right? You, it, it's the power, it's the length, it's, you know, converting speed to power, as the cool people say where he uses his burst and his speed and just jacks a guy right in the chest and bowls him over. And his relative athletic score was pretty elite. Third behind Brian Burns and Rashawn Gary. As I said, I have Gary as a defensive tackle and an edge rusher. And the one thing that he is, and it's the same thing he was coming out of high school, is an athletic freak. Which is why he's going to go higher than everybody thinks. And some team's fan base is going to be very disappointed that they took Rashawn Gary somewhere in the top 10, top 15, and... um, it's because he's an athletic freak. That's all there is to it. So anyways, uh, Montez Sweat definitely in play at 12 if he gets that far, which in my mock draft yesterday, he did not. I think I had the Lions taking him, which might be the second time in a row. It just seems like a good fit. They might want a better pass rusher. Maybe they end up going somebody like Brian Burns. I don't know. Rashawn Gary actually makes a decent amount of sense, to be completely honest. That that feels like some of, somewhat of a Patriots thing. If you look at Michael Bennett, for example, he's kind of compared to like a Michael Bennett and the Patriots just picked up Michael Bennett. So Rashawn Gary to the Lions actually might be the pick. Maybe next time. All right, next up on the list, we have offensive linemen. We got Greg Little, Caleb McGarry, Titus Howard, Max Sharping, and David Edwards. Um, I wonder if Northern Illinois actually is part of our territory for local stuff. I bet it might be. But Max Sharping... Again, I believe he is a, a Green Bay native, so that would be sort of a, a very cool kind of story. It's somebody that we'd all root for because he's a he's a Wisconsin guy, not just a Wisconsin guy. He's a native Green Bay guy. I'm sure he's a massive Packers fan. So somebody to root for as far as, uh, you know, who we want to draft. And, you know, obviously we want Wisconsin guys too, but it's always cool to get a homer. So of these five guys, and I have 26 offensive tackles, all of them are offensive tackles that I have on my list, which actually, if you think about it, the fact that they've brought in five offensive linemen and all of them are offensive tackles is interesting. Seems to me they're trying to get their homework done. But it's, it's kind of neat, too, that, you know, with the exception of a few of them that could be late first, early second, uh, that it seems like they're really wanting to get their homework and, and get this right, even if it's somewhat of a later round prospect. You know, maybe they're not wanting to use a first round pick on an offensive tackle, so they want to see what they can get in the second, third, fourth, fifth round. But as far as my scoring, I have Caleb McGarry out of Washington, the highest, at 6th overall. Max Sharping out of Illinois, number 8 overall. Titus Howard from Alabama State, number 14 overall. Greg Little, Mississippi, I have 19th overall. I know a lot of people probably have him the high. Well, maybe Caleb McGarry, but then Greg Little, um, I don't have him very high. We'll talk about why in a moment. Finally, Mr. David Edwards out of Wisconsin, I have 24th out of 26, so not very high whatsoever. In fact, using my own vernacular, out of 100, I have him at uh, barely good, 69. Greg Little, I gave a grade of 76. Titus Howard, I have a grade of 77. 
Max Sharping, 82. Caleb McGarry, also 82. We'll call it 82 and a half. As for their PFF grades, however, they're all bunched up very closely. Sharping is a 9, or excuse me, is 8. I forget that the numbering is all one behind. Sharping, they have the highest at 8. Caleb McGarry, 10. Titus Howard, uh, 12. Greg Little, 13. David Edwards, 16. So they're all kind of bunched right in the middle. As far as their pass blocking grades, Max Sharping is by far the highest on this list, which is pretty cool. If you couldn't tell, I'm kind of rooting for the guy. But he is graded out as the fourth best pass blocker um, of this group, only behind Andre Dillard, Dalton Risner, Reisner, and Patrick Macari out of California. I've never heard of him either. Uh, Titus Howard is sixth on this list, just with Jonah Williams sandwiched in between. Greg Little is eighth on this list, with Williams Sweet in the middle. Caleb McGarry is quite a ways down at 13th overall. David Edwards, if you want to know why he's not graded very well, is because pass blocking is the most important thing. He is 20th out of 26. Pass blocking efficiency, which is more of a statistic than a grade. It's just looking at, you know, how many sacks and things that you gave up. Uh, Max Sharping, again, is at the top 5th. Greg Little, 8th. And then you got to drop quite a bit. Titus Howard and Caleb McGarry are 16th and 17th. David Edwards, dead last. So, I mean, and this is kind of what I was saying about Wisconsin, right? Wisconsin, Penn State, some of these, you know, Alabama, a lot of these guys are just maulers. If you've got a power-blocking scheme, that's probably a little bit more of what you're looking for there. And that's going to be David Edwards. Not that he's inept, but he's just not the best pass blocker. And again, by this metric, he's dead last. And because it is a pass-blocking metric, it's going to hurt him a little bit. Now, run-blocking, as I said... David Edwards is at the top, not at the top of the list overall necessarily, but eighth overall, the highest of these five guys. So, you know, clearly somebody that you could consider at right tackle just to be sort of a a mauler type. But I always come back to the fact that Khalil Mack is going to be lining up on the right side very often. Do I want a guy that can't pass block very well over on the right side? Probably not so much, but that's David Edwards. Behind him at 10th is Caleb McGarry, then Titus Howard at 11th. Max Sharping, not the greatest pass blocker on the planet, 16th, and then Greg Little, 23rd. As far as run blocking success percentage, which is a statistic as opposed to the grade, so we went pass blocking grade, pass blocking statistic, run blocking grade, run blocking statistics. Max Sharping is third, so pretty solid. Titus Howard is fourth, Caleb McGarry, 14th, David Edwards, 16th, Greg Little, 17th. Finally, relative athletic score to give you an idea, Caleb McGarry, number one, 9.84. So Caleb McGarry is a very, very good athlete, better pass blocker than a run blocker. Um, I I think if the Packers are looking for athletic types, there's really just two options. That's Caleb McGarry, who's, you know, an athletic freak. I'm talking of these five. Um, And then Max Sharping out of Illinois, which, you know, very, very impressive. Again, very good pass blocker, decent enough run blocker. Actually, he's not very good, but whatever and a really, really good athlete. 9.23 was his relative athletic score, but of these five guys, you got to drop quite a bit. Titus Howard was 18th, that is 6.29. Greg Little, 23rd, 5.27. David Edwards, 20, or 23rd. Greg Little was 22nd. David Edwards, 23rd, 4.7. So again, he's, he's just a brick house, man. He, David Edwards is just a mauler. He's that stone feet guy that I was saying that you can bring Andrew Van Ginkle on out and he'll run around him, and he probably would. I bet Van Ginkle could get around David Edwards on occasion. I don't want to be the team that Andrew Van Ginkle can beat because we got a stone-footed right tackle. That's all I'm saying. But uh, yeah, Max Sharping I think is pretty interesting. Otherwise, Greg Little and Caleb McGarry are the two big-name guys, and then Titus Howard is the small school guy out of Alabama State that has an outside shot, but um, not super great in any one category with the exception maybe of run success percentage. But anyways, it's going to take a little break, and then we'll dive into uh, running backs. All right, so the two running backs they have listed here, Taiwan Deal out of Wisconsin, Chris James out of Wisconsin. So both of these guys kind of local. I would like to look at it and say, okay, what kind of what is the prototype here? Interestingly enough, it is still the Brian Gutekunst prototype. Taiwan Deal, 6'2", 226, Chris James, 5'10", 220. So, you know, small and, and you know, large. Small and large at the same time. That's that's the that's what I came up with. But again, because they're out of Wisconsin, just makes sense. Go ahead and bring them in. By the way, hello and good morning. It's now officially Tuesday, and we got a dance party. We're getting this thing kicked off in a good kind of way. Kicked off for me because I just started recording the second half of this. And I only bring that at your, to your attention to let you know that I woke up this morning to see we're at 150 iTunes reviews. 
So thank you all very much for that. Kyle, you can save your money. We're going to be officially doing the live stream. So be sure to check the link in the description for the Facebook group and get in there because uh, we're going to be doing it, doing it. But all right. But here's what I know about these guys. First of all, I believe Taiwan Deal was the second string running back for Wisconsin. That would make Chris James the third string running back. I don't know because they're not even on our lads. You know, they have like the roster or the depth chart, and then on the right side, they highlight the guys that were in that position that are leaving and going into the draft. Not even, Neither of them is even on there. Taiwan Deal, by the way, I have graded or ranked as number 502 on NFLBigBoard.com, and I feel like I have roughly 502 prospects on there. So he's about as close to dead last as you can get. But again, I guess bring him in. Chris James and Taiwan Deal must be seniors. Chris James just, you know, he doesn't have the opportunity to stay. So he's coming out. Wasn't able to find a single scouting report. All I do know is that Taiwan Deal ran for 52 yards and a touchdown on 10 carries in Thursday's 35-3 bowl win over Miami. So there you have it. But, I mean, this is super, super, super long shot just to be undrafted free agent, especially, um, especially Chris James. But, again, this is why you have these guys come in, because you get the opportunity to look at somebody that I promise you nobody else is looking at. Nobody is bringing in Chris James or Taiwan Deal for a top 30 visit. Maybe Taiwan Deal, but I would just really doubt it. So it's one of the perks that, well, every team has that perk, but the, the any hidden gems of the Badgers, for example, nobody else is going to be looking at except the Packers. I don't think the Vikings can. I don't know. Get out of my face, Bears and Vikings. But whatever. Anyways, moving on to Dakota Dixon, safety out of Wisconsin, 5'10", 204. Dakota was, um, I think he was an, uh, thought to be in the draft last year. Uh, as, in fact, I know he was, and then decided to go back to Wisconsin. He was kind of in like the third or fourth round conversation and has just slowly been dropping and dropping and dropping all the way down into the undrafted territory. Had a horrible combine, and now it's like, gigh definitely undrafted if he makes it into the NFL at all. Now, to be fair, he did okay in his agility drills. He actually did really well in his short shuttle drill. Uh, 20 reps on the bench is also okay, but 5'9", 204, 4'8", 140, I think is the real killer. That and his 10-yard split, 20-yard split, all that stuff just was really, really bad. So the speed is terrible. So suffice it to say, he will never be playing single high safety ever. So if you've got a team that will never plan on playing single high safety ever, yeah, maybe he could be a backup in that system. Tony Pauline says Dixon possesses the size and skill to be used as a strong safety at the next level, but must improve the consistency of his game and iron out the rough edges, says he struggles in man coverage. So there you go. I don't know. Maybe you could be a linebacker or something. A 4-3 middle linebacker, old school. Um, he just needs to put on you know, about 40, 50 pounds, but uh, I don't know, it's just just a thought. As for my big board, I have Dakota Dixon coming in at 23rd out of 24 eligible safeties. And by eligible, I mean guys that I was able to cram in um, in the allotted time that I had. But second from last, 61.88 overall grade. Only Evan Worthington out of Colorado had a lower grade. Specifically, um, his tackling grade, he got a 4 out of 10. Run percent or run stop percentage grade, 6 out of 10, which again, there's that whole, I mean, if he's going to do anything, it's going to be a strong safety kind of situation. Pass rush grade, he got a 6. Run defense grade, an 8. Coverage grade, a 6. Relative athletic score, 3.48. Overall PFF grade, uh, 6.98 or 69.8, if you haven't figured out my super elite conversion chart by now. But nothing super fantastic there, right? There's no tweaking this to make him better than he is unless I just make it all about run stopping and try to find the most elite, strong safety, if by elite you mean guy that can stand in one spot and hit somebody, in which case maybe I can get him top 10. I don't know. I'd have to play with it a little bit. Actually, just based on his run grade, he is ninth. So there you go. Boom. Nailed it. So it is a little bit unfortunate. I mean, it's kind of funny to think, in terms of why we should be Badgers fans, which I'm struggling with myself, it really does help the Packers because we can bring these guys in. And if the Packers are not a good football team, we're bringing in guys like Dakota Dixon 
and Taiwan Deal that are not good football players. And it's like, all right, I mean, show me what you can do, I guess. Although if they're good, other teams are going to draft them. So you, you want them to be good, but not let anybody else know about it. Which maybe that's exactly what Taiwan Deal and Dakota Dixon is. Moving right along. Tight ends, we got Jay Sternberger, who we've already kind of talked about, and Andrew Beck. Jay Sternberger right now on NFLBigBoard.com is ranked 81st. That would make him a third-round prospect. And if you haven't heard me talk about Jay Sternberger yet, I would be very happy with Jay Sternberger in the third round. Uh, Pro Football Focus actually has him as the highest receiving tight end of anybody. And yes, that's above Noah Fan. And can I, listen, can I just say something? I don't get the Noah Fan thing, and I never kind of have. I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm late to a party that already started, because it's definitely been souring for a while. But I've been he, he was one of the first prospects I was ever told to watch, and I watched him, and I just didn't get it. And somebody was like, dude, you got to check out Noah Fant. And I checked him out, and I was like, dude, he's great. I don't think he's that good. I mean, look, he's this ultra-elite receiving threat, and TJ Hawkinson was a better receiver than him. I mean, I, I get that TJ Hawkinson is better all around, but how is TJ Hawkinson a better receiver? I mean, look, Noah Fant is fast. And it's not even that super evident that he's that fast. I mean, we treat him like he's Vernon Davis, and he's absolutely nowhere near Vernon Davis-level athleticism. He just happens to be the most athletic tight end in this class. I I don't want him at 30. The, the, the value of Jay Sternberger in the third compared to Noah Fant at 30 is so heavily in Jay Sternberger's category, I don't even know exactly how to quantify it. I love the idea of Noah Fant if I just assume all the assumptions. I'm just saying I don't necessarily believe that those things have to come true. I mean, we've seen athletic... I mean, and that's sort of the other thing I don't get. What is different about putting Noah Fant at tight end as as opposed to just drafting Nikhil Harry and putting him in the slot? I mean, if we're assuming that basically he's just a big receiver that can't block, what exactly is it about him that makes... Well, he can go up against, you know, linebackers. Okay, well, then just draft J.J. Arcega-Whiteside and line him up tight to the line of scrimmage. I mean, really, what, what, if, if he is a wide receiver, he's not a very good wide receiver. His speed and athleticism is nothing compared to any other wide receiver. There has to be a purpose to you being an li- athletic linebacker. Well, he's really tall. Yeah, and there's a lot of tall wide receivers, so what? It doesn't do anything. How good of a wide receiver are you? There's, there's your athleticism, there's your catching ability, there's your route running is one of the most important things. What is it about you, Noah Fant, that makes you so spectacular? Well, he's fast compared to slow linebackers. Whoa! That's crazy. How good is he compared to fast corners? Or safeties? Not very? Okay, so then he's going to be relying on his athleticism, his route running, and his hands. In other words, he's a wide receiver. How does he stack up? I mean, if he wasn't a tight end and he was a wide receiver, where would he rank compared to wide receivers as a wide receiver? Like, what, fifth round? I just, I don't know. Somebody needs to explain that to me. I don't know. I mean, you have to have some ability to block, right? And I'm not saying he even doesn't. I'm just, I just, I don't get that aspect of this. Like, he's basically just a wide receiver. Okay, well, if we put him in the wide receiver category, he's not good anymore. He's only good because he's compared to other tight ends, except he doesn't do what tight ends do. He does what wide receivers do. He just stands in a different spot. And if that's all he is, then draft a wide receiver and make him stand in a different spot. And because teams aren't dumb, they're going to say, I see you standing there, but you're a wide receiver, so we're going to put a corner there. I mean, can you imagine putting Randall Cobb just a little tighter to the line of scrimmage because we assume that teams are just going to be so dumb or dogmatic about their scheme that they're going to say, well, he's lined up like a tight end. we got to put a linebacker on him. No, they're going to put a corner on him because he's a wide receiver, and he's obviously not there to block. He's just running a route from that spot. I don't know. I I just... Rant concluded. Hopefully somebody can explain that to me one of these days, why a receiving tight end that is like 98% receiver and 2% tight end is considered a tight end and is compared to other tight ends when really he's just a wide receiver standing in a different spot. And compared to wide receivers, he's kind of trash. I don't know. Maybe he's not, but it just... I mean, is he fast for a wide receiver? No, not even close. Anyways, I'm done now. Second, officially, this time I'm really done, except for this part. Um, as far as my official grades go, number one, TJ Hawkinson, then CJ Conrad, then Jay Sternberger, then Foster Moreau, then Noah Fant. 
I fully acknowledge that my spreadsheet is not the be-all, end-all as far as truth and scouting. However, this spreadsheet stuff is exactly the kind of thing that Noah Fant should excel at. He should be a spreadsheet guy because it's all about his numbers, right? He's super fast, he's a great receiver, so he should have like 50,000 yards and 10,000 touchdowns. Except the numbers don't exactly fall in his favor. That's kind of my point. Pro Football Focus gave him a good grade. 77.3. It's not even that good, man. Anyways, I'm third time now I'm done. But quickly running through this, Jay Sternberger was given an 8.62 as for his PFF grade. Sorry, 8.51. Run blocking, 5.68. Pass blocking, 6.65. So not the greatest blocker in the world, but as I said, his PFF receiving grade, 9.91. The only other guys given uh, elite receiving grades, TJ Hawkinson, 9.08, Caleb Wilson out of UCLA, 9.03. Yards per catch, 8.2 out of 10. His drop rate grade was an 8 out of 10. The only real negative, aside from his blocking, obviously, is his relative athletic score, 5.26. Mr. Andrew Beck out of Texas, however, is pretty solid as far as his relative athletic score. I don't have a lot of his other information. I was going to go to PFF and update my sheet to add him, assuming they had Andrew Beck on here, but Pro Football Focus is deciding not to work at 3.55 in the morning. I don't know if they're doing server maintenance or what the deal is. Some people are actually up at this time. Thank you very much. But he measured in at 6 foot 2, 252 pounds. He ran a 4.6340, so he's pretty blazing fast. 23 on the bench, which is pretty solid. 34-inch vert, which is decent. 9-11 broad jump and 4-2-6 short shuttle. His three-cone of 7-3-4 was not great. But overall, uh, according to his RAS score here, poor size, elite speed, good explosion, and okay agility. So at least with Andrew Beck, you're pairing elite speed with a very good receiver. Not alluding to anybody else in particular whatsoever, I'm just saying. Watch this draft Noah Fant now, and I'm just going to sound like a... Just kidding, I love Noah Fant, he's gonna be so good. Watch me try that dance when it happens. Overall though, and a lot of these guys are this way. Um, He's seen as sort of like a 7th round slash undrafted free agent type. This is very Ted Thompson-esque. They're doing a lot of their homework on these later guys. They really, I mean, Ted Thompson loved hitting on undrafted free agents. Sort of end of the draft, undrafted free agent type stuff. And if you look at the top 30 visits, I had said that, you know, last year he had spent a lot more time on first round draft picks trying to make sure that we really hit this out of the park. He's done a couple, right? We got Montez Sweat, etc. <laughs> but having two first-round draft picks, I would have thought maybe we are going to hit a little bit more. But uh, it seems like he's really trying to make sure that this is a well-rounded draft as far as, you know, making sure the entire board is exactly where it needs to be. So we're not just getting a really good pick at 12, and then everyone else is kind of suspect. Which, granted, it's only been one year. That's kind of how last year's draft feels. We got a really good pick in the first round. Everyone else is kind of, we'll see how it goes. But in reality, the, the the more we get close to the draft and the more I think about it, I just don't think an early tight end, I don't think it's going to be TJ Hawkinson. I don't think it's going to be Noah Fant. I don't really even think it's going to be Irv Smith. I think third round might be the earliest we go and get a tight end. That's just an assumption. But you look at the other needs, you look at the importance of those positions, you look at the fact that we did decide to bring back Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis are still on the team. Do they want to add some youth and some talent? Yes, but they have an opportunity, especially with early picks, to add some really, really solid, you know, all-in type talent. Pass rushers, safeties, linebackers. That's if they're even looking at linebacker. I'm not even entirely sure. That was just an assumption I made, but I know the Packers are not nearly as high on linebackers as other teams are. Would they actually pull the trigger at 12? I don't know. Is anybody of value going to be available at 30? No. So, anyways... We've only got two more position groups. Next up, we have three wide receivers. A.J. Brown out of Ole Miss, Jeff Smith out of Boston College, and DeAndre Tompkins, wide receiver out of Penn State. So as for the latter guys, we're still, again, we're looking at undrafted free agent types. Uh, They're not on NFLBigBoard.com. They're not on the Draft Network. They're not anywhere to be found. However, both of these guys are pretty speedy. DeAndre Tompkins' relative athletic score, actually, I kind of lied. Jeff Smith, I have 456 is his rank. Tompkins, I got nothing. But anyways, overall relative athletic score was 7.7. But his speed, he ran a 4.34. So 5.11, 192, runs a 4.34. Also had a pretty solid broad jump. Overall size, poor, speed, elite, explosion, good, and agility is okay. Looking at Jeff Smith, kind of the same, but even better. 
Six foot 191, his 40 yard dash time was 436. Overall size poor, speed elite, explosion great, agility great. So very, very good athlete. Even A.J. Brown, overall relative athletic score, 8.82. Jeff Smith was 9.54 or something. But all really good athletes. Again, even Tompkins, who wasn't overall very good, is blazing fast. So seemingly something the Packers care a lot about, at least for wide receivers, is to be able to have good athletes. Now, none of these guys are super tall. You got two six-foot tall guys and one five-foot eleven guy. But again, all pretty fast. A.J. Brown running a 4.49 at 226 pounds. That's not bad. Looking at my positional chart here, I have A.J. Brown ranked 5th out of 32 total wide receivers. PFF doesn't like him very much at all. They have him 27th out of 32. They gave him an overall grade of 80, which seems relatively high. Again, if you look at you know the tight ends, 80 is pretty solid. But for wide receivers, they gave him an 80, which was not a very good grade. However, the reason that I had him higher, if you look at some of the other metrics that I used, his yard after the catch ability, I gave him... Uh, 7.6 was his grade, which is fifth overall, just behind uh, Hollywood Brown, Paris Campbell, Debo Samuel, and Poppy White. Also, his drop rate grade, he got a, let's see, 7.7 out of 10, rated sixth overall. And again, his relative athletic score was pretty high at eighth overall. So not elite in any one category, but I think he's a pretty well-rounded guy. He's also, for whatever it's worth, which isn't very much, a good blocking wide receiver, which does come into effect, especially in the NFL today, especially with the Packers who've been doing this for a long time. Granted, different coach, different scheme, but everybody's doing that now. You run the little screens, and now we've got these big 226-pound guys like A.J. Brown out there blocking. Seems insignificant, but it could be the difference between getting tackled behind the line of scrimmage and a you know 15-yard catch and run. So I've said that I think A.J. Brown would be a pretty good addition. The only reason I'm not super high on Nikhil or A.J. Brown at 30 is because there's a good possibility of getting a wide receiver at 44. But in terms of value of the player and how much it's going to help the team, I'm absolutely okay with that. Finally, the last guy I want to look at is Mr. Drew Locke, who came in for a uh, top 30 visit for the Packers. A lot of questions about why that would be. I've mentioned that my quarterback ranking, similar to my uh, linebacker ranking, is not very you know, it doesn't line up very well with a lot of other people's rankings outside of Kyler Murray being way at the top. He's got the only one that I gave uh, 90 out of 100. However, interestingly enough, number two on my list is Drew Locke. Now, the thing that's going to send everybody into a tailspin is that I have Gardner Minshew number three, probably the fact that Dwayne Haskins is number eight. But anyways, allow me to illuminate you as to why Drew Locke is as high as he is. First of all, he did play for a pretty big program, which does matter. So his strength of schedule score was 9.38. Overall, Pro Football Focus had him ranked 7th, which is relatively high. His passing grade was also 7th. His running grade, which for whatever that's worth, was 8th, or 8th, excuse me. Completion percentage, not all that fantastic. He was 10th, which is basically middle of the pack because I've only got 21 guys on here. However, the grade, because all these guys are relatively close, was an 8 out of 10. His completion percentage was 73.9. One of the things that I think is also really, really important that very few, you know, I don't know, you're not going to find the metric anywhere than pro football focus, but his completion percentage under pressure. He was fourth overall. I think that's extremely important. The fact of the matter is there's a lot of guys. I think you look at Rosen, for example. Well, part of the reason he was as terrible as he was, he's not a great quarterback when he's getting sacked 50,000 times. Now, Kyler Murray, maybe with his ability to use his legs a little bit, can make some stuff happen when things break down. But even if you're not a great scrambler, just the ability to stand in the pocket and diagnose what's going on and make a good throw when chaos is all around you, I mean, that's just NFL football, man. you got to be able to do that. And Drew Locke, behind only Kyler Murray, Gardner Minshew, and Marcus McMarion, was fourth. And then possibly his best metric is his completion percentage on deep passes. So, in a sense, we're talking about his accuracy all over the field and under all circumstances. He had a comparable completion percentage to everybody else, a really good completion percentage under pressure, and he was number number two behind only Easton Stick at 54.7% uh, completion percentage on deep passes. It was a 9.12 grade, to put that into perspective, so an elite deep passing percentage grade. The next highest was, again, Gardner Minshew at 8.88. And then, relative athletic score, Drew Locke is actually pretty solid. He was fourth overall. Tyree Jackson, who's obviously a freak, Taylor Cornelius, and Easton Stick. Easton Stick, they're talking about moving to, like, tight end or something. So, Drew Locke actually had a higher relative athletic score than Kyler Murray. Is he faster? No, but again, relative athletic score is 
relative. So, I mean, you've, you've got a quarterback that runs a 4.69, which is pretty crazy, at 6'3", 228. So he's got the size that the Packers typically like. He's got good speed, not like elite crazy speed, but like Aaron Rodgers' speed. He's good under pressure. He's good with the deep ball. Bottom line is, overall, he's got some really impressive characteristics. Now, does that mean we take him at 12? Absolutely not, but I don't think anybody really knows where he's going to go. The only time you hear about Drew Locke is the fact that the Broncos really, really like Drew Locke, and they're going to take him at 10 or wherever they're drafting. But if that's not true, where does Drew Locke go? Now, is it possible if he makes it to 30, the Packers take him at 30? Of course it is. Remember, we almost took Kaiser in the second round last year, or uh, two years ago, or whenever that was. Not because we needed him, Certainly not because he's actually a good quarterback, even though they thought he was. And that's really what it was. They thought he was going to be a really good quarterback, so they took him, or were going to take him, and here we are. So obviously they're willing to pull the trigger, not because they're going to replace Aaron Rodgers, but I I think the bottom line is, well, like everything, they want more information on Drew Locke, but I think there's a lot of characteristics, and if there's a quarterback that they're looking at is saying, look, maybe it's worth taking him at 30, you got to really bring him in because you have to be absolutely sure about that. Or even 44, for that matter. Because that's still high. And, the, you know, again, the question is, what if he falls? What if he makes it to 44? Would be relatively unlikely, but whatever. I guess what I'm saying is I don't think it's just purely a smokescreen. As I said, 30 visits is not a lot. You want to maximize these. I suppose there's a little bit of potential if a team thinks you're taking Drew Locke or are considering Drew Locke, that they'd want to move up, especially with a couple teams like right behind us. Even if they're not going to trade our spot, if they're willing to trade like with the Bengals to get one spot in front of us to take Drew Locke, which I think you're kind of crazy if you actually think the Packers are taking him at 12, but if you do that, it's a benefit because rather than the Bengals stealing a linebacker from us or another prospect that we would want, you have a team leapfrog us and take a quarterback that we don't actually want or that we do want but would never take at 12. Again, very, very unlikely that that number one is the Packers' plan, and number two would actually work if it was the Packers' plan. But we can call it an extra added bonus as a potential awesome aspect of this. But no, I think Drew Locke is a good quarterback. But anyways, that's all for the top 30 visits thus far. A lot of these guys are not super exciting. I acknowledge that. I'm talking about undrafted free agents that I don't have a lot of information on. But at least you know a little bit about them because there is a better than, you know, better chance than any other team um, picking up these guys, whether it's undrafted, seventh round, sixth round, whatever. And you'll have a little bit of info on them. So anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Tuesday. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.